Okay, maybe we can start. Okay. All right. Uh, very happy to have you here this morning. Really excited for uh, to be here myself and for all of you to come to this particular forum. Um, there was a bit of a typo in the written format. It's, this is a forum by both myself and Brother Eric, not just me. So both of us are going to be presenting this forum together. So before we begin, let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask your presence amongst us this morning, that as we speak, your presence would be felt, that we would acknowledge you in all things. Heavenly Father, we recognize that we are physical creatures and have many needs and concerns, but we put our full trust in you and thanking you in advance for all your blessings. Pray in this in Jesus' name. Amen. So to begin, I'm going to introduce myself, and then uh, Brother Eric's going to introduce himself, and then we'll get going here. So I'm uh, uh, Ed Yon. I'm from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Now, I have been, I'm a registered psychotherapist uh, for about, uh, about almost 10 years now, and I work part-time at a recovery center in Windsor, uh, where I do counseling part-time there, and it focuses mostly on addictions and also mental health. And so um, although these topics here are not a particular focus of mine in, in my profession, I do, do deal with it uh, every day. So that's my background. So I've been doing this now for about almost 10 years. My name is Eric. I'm also from Windsor. By profession, I'm a nurse. Um, even though in, in my very young years, I decided that I will never work in mental health. The Lord had different plans for me. When I moved to Canada, the only job available was in mental health, and that was a bit over 20 years ago. So I'm still in mental health, specializing in mental health and addictions. I work in an emergency room setting. Basically, the first person that I would, the first pe person someone would meet when they're coming either as a walk-in with police or by ambulance, and just quickly eyeballing them quickly to see like what kind of services will they need, and then getting them into the right direction. Uh, lately, I've also been working in partnership with our local police forces to go into the hotspots of our city to help out with those that are homeless, those that are heavily into substance use to see if we can prevent them from overdosing, obviously, but also from utilizing the services adequately and knowing about the resources. In this forum, we will be focusing today on the challenges that we face that can lead to depression, anxiety, loneliness. And yes, loneliness is not a mental illness. And today, I want to just very quickly pause here for one second. We have done a similar presentation in the past here, but also in some churches that were maybe a bit more medical. Today is going to look slightly different. We would like to talk about what kind of struggles may come, and we would like to address them with some solutions. So at this point, what we're going to do is we're going to watch a video. It's about five minutes long, and then after the video, we'll keep on uh, going. All right, so at this time, I'd like to open it up to the floor, and then what we'd like to do is we would like to ask you, describe for us your understanding of depression, anxiety, or loneliness. Uh, describe what that looks like. So, and uh, just shout it out, and then we'll repeat it so everyone else can hear. What, is, what does this look like? We'll have a little bit of a dialogue here. Just whatever comes to your mind. For me, it looks like isolation from everything and a lot of emotion. 
Isolation from everything and a lot of emotion. Thank you. Confusion? Yes, absolutely. Despair? Despair. Being overwhelmed and hopeless. Absolutely true, yeah. We had lots of emotions in the back, and then the lack of any emotions is as true. Yes, there's, there's a medical term for it that doesn't matter, but yes. Re- repeat, things, what repeat what she said? Yes, things that you once enjoyed and you no longer find pleasure or joy, joy in them. Anhedonia would be the word. So you see a stronger response, you're more reactive than maybe you typically should be, right, for anxiety. Are these three, depression, anxiety, loneliness, connected or completely disconnected? Absolutely. There is so much overlap that sometimes I see it in the medical world. So often doctors have a hard time pinpointing really the problem because there's so much overlap and it bleeds into each other that it's very difficult to really differentiate one from the other. I think loneliness can be a byproduct of depression. Correct. True. Very true. Can you say that again? Loneliness can lead to depression. Right. Loneliness leads or, to depression. Or loneliness is a sign of p- potential depression. You, you feel the sense of loneliness could be because you have depression. Dread. Dread. Correct. Yeah. It can be very hard to see from the outside. Very hard to see from the outside. We talked about facades. Yeah. Lack of direction. Lack of direction. Similar to confusion. Yeah. Sorry, there was two. Agitated, yeah. And there was one in the back I didn't get. Feeling you're unloved and unlovable. Feeling unloved and unlovable. Feeling like there's something wrong with you. Something's wrong with you, yeah. We don't know if this sort of points in a different direction, but I'm thinking anxiety can look different to different parents, like an adult or a child. Very true. Anxiety looks different in different generations. Children display differently than maybe elderly would or even in between. Very good. For me, depression looks like struggling to get through normal everyday tasks for no reason. Difficulty getting through normal daily tasks and unexplainable. All right, so we're going to, Brother Eric's going to go through a list. Like I said, we have in the past. Um, spend some time on this. So I, it's almost f- for those that are here, maybe for the second or th- even third time, uh, it's really just a recap, just to kind of bring back into our minds. And, and most of the points actually have been covered, right? For depression, for it to be diagnosed, one would have to have persistent sadness, a, a sense of hopelessness, apathy. There is many other things that feed into or are also part of depression. Sleep disturbance is a huge one, whether that's oversleeping or not sleeping enough, difficulty falling asleep, nightmares, difficulty staying asleep, this feeling of worthlessness or inappropriate guilt 
or for something you haven't even done and yet you feel like the burden of the world is all weighed down on your shoulders. Social withdrawal where you completely pull yourself back in and don't socialize anymore, don't spend time with friends, you skip family meals or holidays. Um, on the bottom we have mentioned there the thoughts of not wanting to live. Um, I want to make a difference between that point and the last one. SI stands for suicidal ideation. There's a difference between not wanting to be alive and wanting to end one's own life. And let me explain it maybe in a simple way. We've all had either grandparents or parents that have lived their life, uh, maybe in the 80s, 90s, and we have so often heard them wishing to finally be able to go, to die, to be with the Lord. I would never categorize them as suicidal. But when someone comes to me and says, life is just not worth living for anymore, and I've been looking for ways to shorten my life, completely different story. And at this point, just very quickly, if you come across someone that does verbalize those thoughts that they no longer want to be alive and have active thoughts of ending their life, don't be a hero. Don't try to save them. That is out of our scope. That is when we need to possibly even dial 911 to get them the appropriate help to save their lives. Uh, just a testimony on this area here. This is uh, somebody, a young person gave this to me, uh, and this is in this person's own words, what it feels like to have depression. This person um, uh, wrote, completely forgotten by my family and friends, thoughts that no one cares. This is how this person felt that if I died, everyone else would be better off without me, that nothing could comfort me, and even being in a room full of people, especially people that care about me, makes the feelings of loneliness worse. This person also wrote this. The worst episode I ever experienced was when I felt loneliness after a church event. It was actually a church event. This immense feeling of loneliness and emptiness, like there was a pit in me, that could not be filled. I know now that it is not true that Christ can make me whole, but in the moment, nothing could comfort me. The thought of Christ did not comfort me, not even the idea of heaven rested in my mind. As a Christian, I have no fear of death, but in the moment, it felt like I was dying, that even if I never existed, I would still be feeling this loneliness, this abandonment. Anything I grasped for made me spiral more the comfort of my parents made me feel as if they would hurt me if I trusted them. The thought of going to the hospital had me thinking that the workers there would end my life. I repeated Psalm 23 over and over saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, out loud. Even though those words brought me no comfort, looking back now, God was hearing my prayers and was with me the whole time. And when a person's in the middle of the episode, that's exactly how they feel. Just briefly touching on anxiety, we had some very good points already from the audience. Restlessness, excessive worry, and you can read all this, right? There's, there's a lot of um, fast thinking happening, faster than one can maybe even sometimes grasp because of racing thoughts. Often people describe it as like a movie going on and on and you just cannot shut it off. It, there's a lot of physical symptoms that also uh, are part of this. We often see people come to the emergency room complaining of chest pain or palpitations. And after a long list of tests, we realize that it boils down to really very severe anxiety.
Loneliness, again, like I mentioned earlier, not a mental illness, but definitely a huge problem. Because it, it is a perception thing. Like, one can be absolutely lonely in the biggest church where one is able to isolate themselves, completely disconnect them from others, no longer l keeping alive the relationships that they have been in. And um, like we had a point made in the back that it also can lead to depression. It can be an indication of depression. This feeling of, I don't belong, I, I, I have no purpose. Realizing that the church functions, for example, go on even without me, just feed in, feeds into it. And then what we struggle with as a society and as a church is that we constantly are on that hunt for a do dopamine hit. What I mean by that is we do something to feel that Fill that void, that loneliness, whether that's just senseless scrolling, whether that's constantly on social media, and, and it just feeds more and more into the vicious cycle. We see all, all these friends posting the best pictures of, of, of themselves, and there you find yourself down in the dumps, and it just feeds more and more into the Satan uses those tools in such a powerful way, and I'm hoping that we will be able to get into that a little bit today. So at this point, uh, back to uh, all of you, uh, let's discuss now, where do you think um, the origins, or where does depression, anxiety, and loneliness, where, they, where does that come from? Let's look at all the different areas, and it, I want to uh, hear from all of you, and we can have a little discussion here on where does, do these things come from? What's the original sources for depression, anxiety, and loneliness? Abandonment. Abandonment. Want to expand that a little bit more? Excellent. So he was mentioned abandonment. A bigger, another word I want to use to encompass it all would be trauma. Trauma is a big issue, especially childhood trauma. A lot of childhood traumas um, manifest themselves in, in the adult life in depression, anxiety, and loneliness in terms of your, their behaviors. Excellent. Uh, being a workaholic. Being a workaholic. Greeting someone, thank you. I was thinking of the words of the Lord of Matthew 18, 7, where he said, Woe to the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. Woe to the man by whom offense comes. So being personally offended by something that has happened in our life from someone or some people can really uh, be a contributing factor. Really good. Being, being offended, being hurt. Genetics absolutely play a big role. Absolutely. We see that in the hospital setting also very clearly. Like I have, in my 23 years that I've been, been working like this, I see, I've seen grandparents and then children and their, their children as well. Generational, absolutely. Stress is, stress is a big one, yes. Sorry? Excellent, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> Hormones. Seeking validation in Very others. Very good, yes. Yeah. A new one that's huge is social media. The comparison, all of that. Social media, uh, yes. That's one of the areas that we will kind of focus on a little bit to really point out how dangerous 
the use of social media that really is. Nina, was that you? Generational and how we're raised. Okay. Good. Endless scrolling social media. All right. So, uh, go ahead. Social media. <laughs> I I never thought that I would stand in front of you talking about social media. I used to be one of those, constant scrolling in my downtime. I, it just felt like I didn't have to use any kind of brains and to just start scrolling. Um, but, but when we really boil it down and pay attention to what happens is it removes you from a group. Even if you're sitting in, in a group, and I'm not trying to pick on any um, ages here or anything, but so often I see it with young people especially, you can have six, seven, eight young people together sitting on the couch and everyone is just glued to their phone. No one's talking to each other anymore. There's this craving for attention, trying to get validation from someone else, um, neglecting real goal, goal lives, like literally completely pulling back and doing nothing anymore. This mindlessness of not having to use your ability to think because everything is right at your fingertips. This huge danger of cyberbullying, again, mainly for the younger ones. And part of this presentation tomorrow, Lord willing, we'll do a similar presentation to the youth. But I'm hoping also to talk a bit to the parents, that we have a huge responsibility before the Lord to protect our children. Who knows what FOMO stands for? Okay. Fair enough. Huge, right? Constantly feeling like I'm missing out. If I'm not connected, that I will not know what's happening in this world. That used to be my biggest excuse why I kept connecting to social media because most of my family is overseas. And my excuse was that's why I stay connected. But when I was honest with myself, a text or so or a message from my family back home was rare. It was really more that I spent so much time looking at useless information. Um, lack of sleep. We talked about how sleep affects our moods and can cause symptoms of depression and anxiety. And when someone's on the phone, I'm not sure if you can relate, it happened to me so often, it happens to me today, where you pull out your phone because someone asks you maybe for someone's contact information, and half an hour later you realize, wow, I'm still on my phone, doing useless stuff. And that can obviously get even prolonged to the point that we lose sleep. Okay, so what are other areas that could lead to uh, depression, anxiety, or loneliness? Uh, one obvious one, and again, I'm going to probably repeat what has already been said, isolation, when you isolate yourself. Um, a lot of it we do to ourselves, and we make excuses to do that, and that can lead to those uh, attributes. Lack of personal development. Um, whether we need to um, grow, our whole goal in life is to glorify God, and we need to take that very seriously, and sometimes we don't, and uh, we just live life. So we don't grow where we need to, whether it's spiritually. Uh, do we have self-awareness? Do we understand exactly uh, all about ourselves? Um, social skills, ability to communicate. Sometimes people get stuck in, in, in a depression 
or anxiety, and they, they don't know how to communicate it to somebody else. They, they have this, this horrible feeling, but they're having a difficult time communicating it to other people, where that's where we can step in and maybe help them out. Um, self-discipline, motivation, goal setting, these are all the areas of lack of personal development. Lack of self-care in every area, spiritually, uh, mentally, and physically. What we focus on, where the scripture tells, tells us clearly in Philippians 4.8 what we should focus on, what are we focusing on? And as was mentioned before, uh, brain candy, the things that we like to spend our time with. Uh, also, what are other things that can lead to anxiety, depression, and loneliness? Overthinking, where the mind doesn't shut off. Sometimes our mind goes, has a mind of its own, and it won't shut off. And we, sometimes we ruminate over negative thoughts. Analyze your thoughts. Sometimes we, we, we over-focus on negative thoughts. And are we self-aware? Do we recognize when we do that? Unwilling to share. And that's going to keep coming up over and over as a solution that we need to share. Our view of ourselves and God. Some people have a distorted view of God. And it's, it's even one of the way they're raised. That, that God is one where he's just waiting for you to step out of line. And then the second you do, you're in trouble and you have a lot of guilt and shame. And the relationship with God is, always, I want to know what's God's will, what's God's will, what's God's will. And they're always stressing and they don't learn to recognize that there's a loving, mutual relationship with God. So that could also lead to um, this. Um, physical. Now, again, uh, you definitely can, uh, uh, depression or anxiety uh, can be a result of, of genetics. And uh, that's been proven over and over. Even nutrition. If you spend a lot of time eating uh, junk food or a lot of sugar and so on, that could lead to a mood that can that bring you down. Hormonal. This is an important one. Now, the first one, PPD. Anyone know what that is? Postpartum depression. This is very serious, and, and the young mother is, you know, and, and, the, and the father and the family, what's wrong? You know, why don't you love your baby? Why don't you care? It's definitely a hormonal um, uh, situation, and uh, Brother Eric had to deal with that a number of times. Um, but also um, a menstrual cycle in terms of uh, uh, how a lady may feel at different times of the month will definitely affect um, your anxiety or, or, or depression. And even menopause. Now, we don't talk about these things often, but often you will find as uh, uh, a sister gets older and, and get into a certain age where she starts experiencing menopause, it really definitely affects their mood, um, their thinking. And I had a case uh, that I was told about where, um, not, not part of our fellowship, but this couple um, were literally of that age in their early 50s and normal marriage and all of a sudden the marriage went down and it started deteriorating they couldn't get along they went to counseling couldn't figure it out and finally said we're going to divorce and then she happened to go uh, to the doctor and the doctor noticed that she was uh, experiencing menopause so they gave her hrt hormone replacement therapy and then as soon as she went through that medical treatment right away she became back to who she her normal self and all those symptoms of depression, anxiety went away, and the relationship automatically was healed. And then the, the thought of divorce didn't make any sense anymore. Typically, you think, well, that's a spiritual issue, that's a relational issue. In this case, it was actually a physical issue. Um, and also, avoidance of activities can lead to we do that when we're, when we're anxious, and being too busy or not busy enough. So what are potential risks? So why, why, so what? I have depression, I have anxiety, I feel lonely. 
so what? What's, uh, what's wrong with that? Describe to me now, back, back to you, what, are, what is the danger of living in, living in depression and living in anxiety or, or staying in loneliness? What's the danger of that? What are, what are some dangers for us? Excellent. Satan keeps us, uses that to keep us from using God. Really good. We pass it on to our children, yes. When we're hurting and we're not taking care of it, it will hurt others as well. Spiral downward, is that what I heard? Yes. It can get worse. Yes. Very destructive. A fear of not being able to take care of your kids. Good. Sorry. Health yes. problems. Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> what am I doing? Come Move over. Okay. I'm glowing. It's my personality. I thought you had a question for me, Arzen. Two, two that were kind of already said, but health problems like if you're depressed or lonely, you tend to overeat or consume more sugars. Like you right, said, absolutely. Whatever, diabetes, et cetera. But then also Satan works stronger when we're divided. So being isolated and, and being away from your fellowship, you, you tend to be weaker and more, more exposed right. to his work. So. Absolutely. Isolating from one another. Being with the fellowship. Who here is a stress eater? <laughs> but some people are the opposite. They, they, they actually opposite. They can't keep weight on when they're under a lot of stress. Not being able to sleep. And then when you get some sleep, you wake up and you're right back at the exact same stress level. Absolutely. There was another hand back there somewhere. Drug and alcohol abuse. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you said, well, someone said confusion when you were listening to the symptoms, and I thought, like, in that moment, it feels like reality. So I think deliverance is kind of like almost recreating your reality. Like, these things are true. These things are real. I really am alone. I really can't do these things. I really can't go to these places. Right, we, like the video we watched, you start believing the thoughts that are in your head. You, you start believing that's actually you when it's not. So, yeah, you're not taking care of yourself in those moments when you're going through depression or anxiety damages the relationships around you, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to keep going here. So, again, uh, we listed uh, a lot of them. I want to keep going here. We don't want out of time. Um, so these are potential risks, suffering, shame, guilt, uh, impacts our spiritual journey, poor decision-making, strained relationships, health risks, we talk about that. It's actually, they can actually do studies that show when you have those conditions that can actually lead to health risk. It'll definitely mention at least the substance abuse, um, poor quality of life, social, isola social isolation, uh, self-harm and suicide can lead to that. They're not the same, 
um, reduced resilience, and then impaired daily living. If you find that you're having a hard time living your daily life in a normal fashion, or you're not going about your day in a normal fashion, whether it's a home, life, church, work, or school, then you need to look at yourself seriously to see if you have depression, anxiety, or experiencing loneliness. Okay, we're going to watch another short, short video. This one here is particularly for the youth that we're going to be showing the presentation to tomorrow, but I thought it'd be uh, insightful for you as well. So do you think that will work for the youth a bit? I hope it impacts them somewhat. All right, so at this point, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some solutions uh, to help us in this area. So uh, I have a little comic here. I'll give you a second to look at it. What do you think of when you look at that? What is it saying? What do we tend to do with our lives when we're running across problems? What do we tend to do? in that issue, in your, let's say you're depressed or whatever it is, you know, you're, you're, he's, you think he's going to escape out of it, but what he's doing is he's making himself more comfortable in that situation. This is what we typically do. Instead of seeking freedom, we tend to settle. So our goal is that we don't settle with the way you're feeling. So the first one I want to talk about is the topic of loneliness. Now, I want to look at the biblical perspective, and, and I'm going to look, look at two aspects of this, and then I'll be very quick with this. Um, but it's very in-depth. It's a beautiful thing. And at the very beginning of the scripture, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was good. Everything he made was good. But one thing was not good. What was that? What was not good? Sorry? That, that we should not be alone. And there he created us a helpmate. Isn't that wonderful? That's one thing he said they, they, they needed a helpmate. So we need each other. So that's really important. Right from the very beginning, we're, we're, we, we need each other. We're not by ourselves. The second uh, aspect I want to talk about is, is the Trinity and the beauty of the character of God. We read in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. And we see God as God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is, it's one God, but it's a triune God. And the, the synergy is just beautiful. Where each of them have their role, and each of them have their importance and how the scripture talks about them. But I, I love the beauty of how they, it's relational. Right away, God is relational even within himself. And, and, and the, the beauty of how Christ, the creator of all we see, the entire world, even, even us, was subservient to the Father. That, that blows my mind. It doesn't make sense to me. But it, it, it's, so, it's so beautiful to see. And it's instructive for us that we need each other, that God himself is an example that, that of himself, the way he is, his existence, that we need one another. Back to social media, internet, gaming. We need to protect our children. Uh, we had a slide in earlier about some stats. We took, them, took it out because we knew that we were going to be running out of time. But it's interesting, about 90% of children nowadays have not only access to social media, but have it in their own pockets. And it is proven, there's many studies, and these studies are not done by church people. These studies are done by worldly organizations, and they realize that anyone spending more than 30 minutes scrolling through social media or being on their cell phone a day run a risk of symptoms of depression and feeling lonely. 
That's only 30%, 30 minutes a day. That is not a lot of time. And when we're honest, how often even do we spend more, t- more time than 30 minutes scrolling aimlessly sometimes? We need to monitor our children's internet access. We need to um, have secure accounts. We need to keep them accountable to us. We need to encourage them to learn discernment at a young age and to teach them what positive usage looks like. And that's really only possible if we ourselves are also living by example. We need to clearly discuss with them what is okay and what is not okay. Listed there, gossip, bullying, inappropriate sharing, viewing certain material, or playing certain games that are, should be off limits, and guarding against dangerous online relationships. We can't expect our kids to, to regulate themselves. Parents are critical to this. I gave you one testimony that was uh, told to me in one of our churches, uh, one young teenage uh, girl. Um, she had her cell phone and computer in her room, which I personally believe is an absolute no-no. And she ended up having a relationship, online relationship with a person who was out of town, and she became totally emotionally attached to this other person. Uh, the relationship went south, and this young girl became uh, almost even suicidal. And all because of something that was allowed freely by her accessing something that became very dangerous. Uh, Continuing that list, we need to encourage our youth to get together physically and and to really spend time together face-to-face. Especially, we learned in COVID how easy it is to just pull back and be behind the screen. We, many of us, did church that way. But once we realize that we no longer have to, we have to put those things aside and once again encourage face-to-face um, time together. We have to also be honest uh, in our relationship about the cell phone use and media, social media use. If our kids see us constantly scrolling, there, there's no weight in our words. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. When we overdo something and tra- tell our kids not to do it, there's no weight to our words. Um, we have to live by good example. A few weeks ago, on my way to work, I only live like 10 minutes away from work, but on my way to work, I'm about to pull into the parking garage and I realize I forgot my cell phone at home. It totally derailed me for the day. I felt almost, I almost felt naked. I'm like, there's something missing and I feel like I'm not complete. I literally looked at the clock and I was doing the math in my head, okay, so I'm a little early. If I race home, I can pick up my phone and maybe still clock in on time. And that's when I woke up and realized, like, how silly. It's a silly cell phone. I can handle a shift without a cell phone. I'm not that important. And I left my phone at home. But it really made me realize how addicted we are to that cell phone. We need to create cell phone-free zones in the homes. I'm not here to give you a recipe on how that looks like, but around the dinner table, there should be no cell phones. That starts with me. If we have maybe friends come over, I've seen it in homes and I love it. We are not doing it yet. But having a basket in the front and everyone confiscate their cell phones. You know, it's a cell phone-free day. Let's have some fun together. Maybe even consider, and again, living by example, consider a break, whether that's a break from social media, a little detox, perhaps even a day of a cell phone-free day. We survived the 80s and the 90s, no problem. We're showing our age. Okay, another solution is growing in spiritual maturity. And that means uh, our, our spiritual walk, focusing on our spiritual walk, 
Now, when a person is in the depth of depression, that they also need medical attention and, and counseling as well. But it, it always works well when we, we support one another. And if you're heading in that direction, you feel you are, um, check your spiritual uh, growth. And be, be self-aware. Be honest with yourself. Focus on the fruits of the Spirit. Um, this is something that my wife and I have tried to do over the, the years. We even put on our bedroom door as we walk out the big list of the fruits of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace. And the, open up the door. All right, kids. And then we start hollering at the kids. And... <laughs> So, but we, we, we always have to remind ourselves to focus. There's so, such a beautiful attribute of what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. Self-care, very important. It was mentioned already before that if we don't take care of ourselves, right, that it will have an effect also on others around us. We need to pay attention to our mindset and really focus on it. We have to make sure that our emotional regulation is all healthy, that we get adequate sleep, that our nutrition is healthy, that we exercise on a daily basis, on a regular basis, let me say it that way, and that we have a regular schedule. The idle time is always the devil's time. If we just have time where we sit around and do nothing, that is where the devil comes and works overtime to get us to do something that is useless. And we need to declutter, whether whether that's our mind, whether that's things that we do, maybe even some of the toys that we have access to. We talked about, in, in, in the um, first movie that we watched, the first little film, it was mentioned that healing is a process. And, and we often expect like a quick and steady um, incline in our health. But really, this curve really describes in such a good way what healing really looks like. There's going to be setbacks we have to realize that it's a small step that we have to take. And it's a daily commitment that we, on a daily basis, work diligently toward um, healing. We need to realize that God has put people into our lives for a very specific reason. Yes, to rejoice when we see one another, but also that we, are, we don't have to carry these burdens on our own. It is ours to reach out and to say to someone, you know what, can you please pray for me. Can you please spend some time with me? Let's go for a coffee. Just something to break up the day. Don't get stuck in your own head and allow the devil to give you lies that you're the only one that may be going through these difficult times. And just understand that you're not alone. Many, we have heard it also said earlier that it's really, we walk through life with a facade or a mask and it is not easy to recognize if someone is struggling with any kind of depression or anxiety so we're not alone we have to remind ourselves and when we reach out we realize that there's many others that have already gone through the experience or currently are going through the same experience and we can walk together hand in hand focus on what you can control so often we get stressed out and we get very anxious about a situation but it's something that we can't control and, but it, we allow it to overtake us. And too often, um, ever heard serenity prayer, you know what that is? The Lord, give me, grant me the grace to, to help me to, to focus things I can control and, and allow you to take over things I can't control, basically. So it's really important that we recognize that God is overall in control and to let go of those things. And, and then the, the awesome, awesome uh, lesson this, this year, trusting in the Lord, committing our way to the Lord, and then we do that, allow the Lord to take over. But so often in the moment, we're trying to control others. When, when other, I had a situation, 
where uh, uh, a person came to me, just both Eric and I were, were there, and, and this person was really stressing out about a situation, and they didn't know what to do, but they, there's nothing they can control. And someone else is being manipulative and doing something that was not nice, okay, but there's nothing this person can do about it, so let it go. But it's so hard because we, we, we want to control others. We want to try to control the situation. And that just brings a lot of anxiety and stress and say, let go. God's in control. Un- understanding unmet expectations. This is a big one. We really set ourselves up. We expect life to be a certain way. Life, my life has to be, you know, this kind of relationship. I want this kind of, my job has to be this kind of way. Um, you know, we have all these expectations of ourselves even. You know, I, I hope in my, in my life at this time, I want to be at this level of, of my career or wherever it is. And then when it doesn't happen, we get very disappointed and it makes us very anxious and can get us depressed. So we have to be careful that we don't set ourselves up. Okay, be careful of what expectations you have of yourself and you have of life. Again, it's putting our trust back in the Lord. Say, the Lord, you got this, right? We can have goals. It's good to have goals. It's good, it's good to have uh, desires that we have for ourselves and for our loved ones and, and for the fellowship and so on. But when they're not met, it doesn't mean there's a failure. It means we just have to keep moving forward and be careful that we don't set ourselves up that we, we failed. Setting boundaries, a huge one uh, that we could really do a whole presentation on. But as we help others, we have to be careful that we don't overstep it. That we, and again, we have to make a big difference between boundaries and barriers. Back in the day when we first started developing the People Help Us program, there was one nice little story said about what it means to set boundaries, and I love it, and I use it to this day, where you see... You come up to someone, you want to help them, and they're in their own little lifeboat. You're in your own little lifeboat, and you come next up to them to try to help them. You can come and assist, but by no, at no time can you step into their boat. You have to remain in your own boat. You can come along and help, but you have to set the boundaries. If we don't set boundaries, very easily become codependent or the other person becomes codependent and then the relationship can even go sour and we don't have the effect or the, the outcome that really is desired. And in these situations, often what happens is then your, your happiness and your joy is dependent on someone else. So what happens then, if they're not happy, if they're miserable, then that makes you miserable. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. That's a sign that you're, you're crossing boundaries. There's some very positive things that we can all do, whether that's to take care of ourselves, but also to help others and do it with them. Reading scripture, praying, devotionals, music, the list goes on. These are just very simple, straightforward pointers. You can serve. Serving others. And I say this to my patients all the time. That as long as you focus on yourself, like what does this society have to give to me, you will not get better. You have to start looking at it from the other perspective. What can I contribute? What can I do to help others? And the moment that changes, it does something to our mind, and it helps us, by, it helps us with healing as well. In our recovery center, this is a core of how people get better. It, it's people helping people. That's what we say. 
people helping people. So when you're unwell, you're addicted, you're not, you know, you're, the, you're in trouble in life. How do you get out of it? Help the per, the next person next to you who has the same problem, and they help you, and you you get that help through each other, through serving each other. Hospitality, as ACCers, we should be good at this, and we were we were seriously admonished uh, last night in the sermon, an awesome sermon. Uh, to get back to our grassroots uh, of reaching out and, and showing that love to one another. And, and even if it means a, a great meal, you know, sometimes we, we feel guilty about these things, but uh, I think we shouldn't. I think it's wonderful. It's a wonderful uh, time to break bread with one another and to, to spend time with each other uh, over a meal, being hospital and sharing time together. Uh, regular church attendance is really important that we're committed to our church. Again, we've been asked again and challenged, are we committed to our churches? It's so easy, uh, you know, even on a midweek service, like you go home after a long day of work and you're tired. And it's like, oh, it's so nice to just relax at home. But you know, I was, you know, my, my mother and father, they trained me in that, just by the way they live. Never, I, I was never told you must go to church. I was never told that. That's just what we did. It's automatic. And then I was raised that way, and I raised my kids that way. If you're in my house, you're going to church. That's just the, just the way it is. Uh, participate in church ministries. What we're doing, in, um, and hopefully soon we may offer this as a solution to help other churches, we're, we, we're, we're getting very intentional about church ministries in Windsor, where we're taking everything that we do and looking at it very carefully and getting very intentional about it. Our churches are voluntary-based. A lot of churches... They do a lot of amazing programs, but a lot of it's paid staff, and they have a lot of time in the world to do it. Not, not saying that necessarily that's wrong, but I, I love our fellowship where, where there's an expectation that, that you don't come to be served, you come to serve, right? So we're getting very intentional about what it means. Um, for example, visitation is the first one here, and we have a sister here who's actually here uh, who's in charge of that now. And we're looking, some people, they, they want to go visit the elderly, but they feel uncomfortable, they're not, they're not, they, they, don't know, they don't know them that well, they don't want to go by themselves. So we're getting intentional about it, that we're going to get a whole group together, and we're going to go visit somebody. And they, we just recently, they visited somebody in the hospital, and they, they sang for them, about a dozen people went. So we're, even Sunday school, audiovisual, and on and on, a lot of these things just happen. And unfortunately, too much often it's the 80-20 rule, where 20% of people do 80% of the work. We want to break that, and we want to get everybody involved. Okay, so how can you help? How, the question is, how can each one of us help someone who is hurting? Um, and and you're the, the ones who can help the best are the ones who maybe actually have experienced it. So number one is educate yourself. Learn. You're here. You're learning about this subject. Um, be available to reach out. Be available for, for people. Give unconditional, non-judgmental love. A lot of times we feel inadequate. When a person's really hurting and suffering, we, we feel inadequate and we, we, we feel we don't want to go there and help them because we don't know what to say. Uh, we don't, we're not experts in it. And the answer to that is you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to say anything. Just show them love. Show them that you care. And that alone goes so, goes so far. Pray for them. Convey hope. Be calm and patient. Just show them that you love them, that you care for them. Work together with spiritual health care providers. Um, in, in many cases, sometimes a person needs professional help. You can, you, can, you can also be participating in that as well. You go with them and help them as they go through that uh, effort. How, we have to watch what we say. 
very often we have the best intentions and when someone comes and unloads their burden to you or to me and if we don't watch careful what we say we may just actually harm them even more make them feel even more worthless so be very careful with your words active listening is something that we as as nurses have often struggles with because we're always in a hurry but it is key that we listen carefully what people say and most of the times like Ed said they don't, they don't want a solution from you you don't have to now quickly pull something out of thin air and come up with like this is the solution to your problem no listen carefully and maybe just rephrase what they have said and, and make them realize that you understand their struggle be, be like just a good listener it, it, Advice is something that comes way later. Be accountable. Keep them accountable to you. When you know they're struggling, and don't leave it up to the person that's struggling to book the next appointment. Because people with mental health problems or under a lot of stress are the worst follow-uppers. We need to really keep tabs on them to make sure that they pull through with our help. Stay connected with them and recognize their suffering and don't ridicule them. Don't just, there's nothing wrong with you quoting scripture, but don't just crack open the Bible and tell them, but the scripture says so and so and you should be doing this and that. We have to realize that they're being attacked by Satan and we have to very gently and carefully guide them down that path. And finally, uh, remember that together we're part of the kingdom of God in the body of Christ. So as believers... Um, there's no better place to be than to be part of a fellowship, the body of Christ. I, I sometimes feel so sorry for people out in the world who don't have a fellowship, who are truly really lonely and, and don't have anybody, um, you know, their family's not reliable, society doesn't have much besides, too often the medical model is not enough. It is helpful and, and important in certain circumstances, but that true love and compassion we need for one another is here uh, within the fellowship. So it's something that we need to remember. So at this point, we have uh, five minutes left. Um, I'd love to hear any comments, uh, testimonials, or questions that you might have while we, and, and then and when we're done, we're done. Go ahead. The accountability is a regular meeting, okay? Just being there on a regular basis for them. So they, that they know that the next week, or if it's bi-weekly or weekly, they know that you're not going to pass up on that meeting and they get away with it, that they got to discuss, or you're going to say to them, so how was your week? Don't necessarily have to give them advice. You just show them that love and compassion again. Sometimes it'll come naturally to say, well, what about this or what about that, if it's a very straightforward question. But again, it's not so much in the advice. We get caught up in the advice. It's to show that love and compassion. If you literally meet for a few minutes, uh, but you have that meeting or that time together, say, how was your week? How did it go? And you you share together, maybe pray or or whatever you want to do, go for a walk, um, but do it on a regular basis. That's the accountability. Also, if I can maybe just add, not add to it, but maybe add my two cents. 
it, it happens quite often that you, you work with someone and there may be a small little task, a little homework that you may have yeah. sent them out with. And then the next time you meet with them and you want to hold them accountable and you ask them how did it go and you realize you're exactly the same step as you left off. Be patient. The pe people struggle and it may take a few more sessions for them to really get the strength and energy to work on that little part that, that you had agreed on. Just hold them accountable. It doesn't mean that you ridicule them for not having done it, but that you're keeping tabs on them. You take this one. You I was going to say the same thing. Do you have any feelings with your daughter? Yes, there, there are studies that show um, that depression might, and anxiety might be higher in females. There's definitely differences in males and females. But they also experience it a little bit differently, too, in terms of how they experience it, in terms of how that was the studies show. Um, but yes, men uh, can experience it physiologically, in terms of like genetically. Um, and nutritionally, um, uh, just even their, just who they are as a person, they can have different levels of experiencing these things even easier and so on. So they, they do experience it as much, but definitely, um, I'm not a, up on so much on, on maybe testosterone levels might affect Pu it a bit. Puberty is huge. Puberty, yeah. puberty is a big one. I've, I've yeah. seen that actually where a child will reach puberty and all of a sudden um, the mental health issues just, just exacerbate. They, they, really, they really escalate when a person hits puberty. That's a big one. And then to the point you're making, I think you're saying men, we need to have more compassion towards the woman <laughs> when they're experiencing that. And it is true that, that we need to be very sensitive to one another and that we don't see or experience things the same way someone else will. We all experience it a little bit differently. There was another question or comment? The one case that comes to my mind, uh, we were dealing with a postpartum depression slash psychosis, um, where the young mother was no longer in touch with reality and was convinced that um, she, she was evil and that the Lord no longer loved her. So in those cases, when, when then someone in, in her life tried to convince her otherwise, it only solidified that yes, I am no longer in God's grace because I, I, don't, I no longer believe this. So in those moments, again, I'm not saying we should never use scripture, but in those moments, we need to first take care of the bigger problem that is the mental health and maybe take them to, a doctor, to, to the doctor to get some help. But in those moments, as much as we believe and fully embrace God's word, that person is unable to do so. And it just feeds into even more of that confusion. 
if that makes any sense. There's a condition called, everyone heard of scrupulosity? Okay, it's a serious uh, condition that I'm seeing it more and more prevalent. It's a big topic, we can't get into it right now. But basically a person, it's incorrect thinking. It's a mental health issue, but it, it presents itself as a spiritual issue. A person feels tremendous amount of guilt and they feel all kinds of things are wrong. Please pray for me and I've done sinning, I did this wrong, I did that wrong. And then, but it's a pattern that keeps repeating itself and it's a cycle they can't get out of. You quickly realize this is not a spiritual problem, this is a mental health problem. But the danger is sometimes we treat it as a spiritual problem. Let's pray more. Let, let's read scripture more. You need to repent more. And a lot of times when we do that, we actually make the situation worse. Just to throw this out there, and I think the transparency I appreciate so much, um, that's exactly what we're struggling with as parents. And the more that we kind of just tear it up with folks, it sounds like that that is something that's been out there much more prevalent than, I guess, growing up, my generation, maybe the generation over me thought that it was. And so what I really appreciate is the transparency that we're finding, and we just pray that everybody can be more, uh, be more open and transparent. I mean, that we're again transparent about the things that you've encountered, because I think there are so many good resources out there that we wouldn't have been aware of, would not have known of, experiences that folks have made. Um, so appreciate this forum, but also the opportunity for maybe a clearinghouse of experiences and victories, struggles, uh, things like that. Thank you so much for that. We're out of time. Maybe one more comment because I don't want to take away from you. I'll let you want to keep on going. We'll go for a while. <laughs> Thank you. Any other comments? Thank you so much all for... Do we have a handout? No, but I, no, believe, sorry. I believe this will be available. Yes, this, this presentation yeah. will be available online, so you can go online and, and you can go through the presentation. Thank, Thank you. you so much for your participation. Thank you for coming, for coming. yeah.